Sometimes in life we just suffer. Sometimes it's from being totally withdrawn. Or so much stress that we are totally anxious. Or so tired that we are totally burnt out. But our current position is not our final destination. No, indeed. There's hope. So whether it's your personal life, your career, your relationship, your business, or your job, we say there's reason to believe again. And we present from Andy's personal development, the breakout room. It's the place for health, happiness, and prosperity. Stay tuned for more. Our next guest in the breakout room is a storytelling business coach, speaker, multi-published author, and hosts two podcasts. Her name is Marsha Van Weisberg. She says, I empower men and women how to own and stand on their stories, be conscious leaders, and build profitable platform businesses that create massive impact. This is our guest. So, let's welcome this amazing coach, and podcast live in the breakout room Marsha Van Weisberg okay great this is Andy of Andy's personal development and we are live in the breakout room today our special guest is Marsha Van Weisberg, and she's a storytelling business coach, a speaker, multi-published author, and she has two podcasts going for her. There's so much more, but she's going to fill in the blanks because she's the person who is taking the spotlight for the moment. Good day, Marsha. How are you? Welcome to the show. I am great. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. Uh, thank you for taking the time to be with us. We appreciate your commitment to the show. And we want to ask you, Marsha, to tell us, how did your life begin in terms of your childhood days? Can you recall, do you have any striking memories of when you were growing up as a young lady that has somehow cemented your foundation for what you are experiencing today? Oh, there's a strong question to start off with. I love it. Um, yes, I grew up in the seventies and I just think that that's important context because I grew up in a time where, you know, hard work was expected and I'm not saying it's not now, but it was very much then, um, you know, I was doing odd, we had, we had a lot of chores, a lot of things that we had to do and a lot of responsibilities. So I, I don't begrudge that. But I grew up in a time where it was like you, we were the latchkey kids. We were the kids that, you know, you were taking care of yourself at eight years old, nine, you were doing those things. And so I grew up very independent. I think independence became something that was a, 
a trait, a bonus, and it's something that did serve me well for a lot of years. I have a very, you know, a very strong kind of fighter type personality, and it was very beneficial for a number of years until it wasn't. And so I think it's really interesting because I, I do believe for all of us that we learn so many skills when we are younger that become our strengths, but there is a point in our life where those strengths do become a weakness if we don't start to look at things differently. Yeah. I also grew up in a time that I think is important to share that, and it wasn't just my family, it was everyone at that time. You didn't talk about difficult things. You didn't <laughs> talk about struggles. You didn't talk about you didn't talk about any challenges. Your job was to put your face on, smile, sweep everything under the rug and pretend yeah. that there was no problems. And so that's literally how I grew up knowing though that everybody was struggling, but we would never talk about it and never show it. Yeah. So yeah. that was a bit of my foundation. <laughs> All right, thanks for sharing, Marsha. So we're gonna take this step-by-step step. And I'm going to look at your information and I'm going to follow my lead from there. Mm -hmm. Years ago, in the midst of dealing with teen substance abuse, you lost your voice, your drive, and shame and judgment ruled your life. Share that moment, that experience with us, please, because I know it's, it's very powerful for you. Yes. And it was something that I, all I can say is it came out of left field. It wasn't something that we anticipated. We expected to see it came in our life and it was never a phase and it just stayed. And so during those years, I'm very much a solutions person. I was out looking with like for resources, for things available, trying to find solutions, trying to fix things. So I was actively working hard to try and find a way out and how to fix this while at the same time, literally trying to hide from all aspects of my life because I didn't want people to know how bad it was. People knew, but I didn't want people to know. And I also did that out of a self-preservation because our story scared a lot of people. And it certainly did bring a lot of judgments, criticisms, you know, the looks, the yells, the, the things, the things that, they were really hard to take at the time, but I can honestly look at it and understand that our story stirred up a lot of fear for a lot of people. Cause if it could happen to us, it could happen to anyone, which is absolutely true, which nobody wants to hear that. And so that's what that time was like. I was in this real constant tug of war and struggle between trying to show up and find solutions, being a strong mom, like feeling like this is my responsibility to fix it. Because again, we were dealing, our kids were you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. They were young and trying to fix it. And then also navigating everyone else. And I can say, I 100% lost myself during that time. A hundred percent. I was not even on a prior li priority list of any way, shape or form. So that, that would have been very traumatic. And could you describe for us, what your emotional and psychological state was, because those are the two areas of your life, personally, that would have been affected the most negatively. How was that like for you, feeling it and dealing with it from a mental perspective? I can honestly say those were some of the hardest years of my life, 100%, they were the hardest years. I felt like I was, when I said tug of war, I feel like I was in this constant, like being 
pulled in multiple different directions. Um, you know, just to give a tiny bit of context, like when you think about the average person when they're not working or it's the weekend or it's the holidays, you get that time at home. For us, home time was like the weekends were the worst time ever. The holidays were the worst. Like there, so there was nowhere to go. I couldn't find a place to go that was, um, I don't want to say safe, but that's what it felt like. And so it was a constant um, stir up of emotions and struggle and frustration. And during that time, my fighter type personality was full force. And I can tell you, I know why I did what I did. I was very much like, this is not happening. This is not what we're doing. This very much fought it. Um, And I don't begrudge that. That's who I was. But that didn't help me to create change. Like that strength became a weakness because it was very much like I was trying to control every single aspect of our lives. And it was, I had no control. I I know that's a terrible thing as a parent to hear, but I literally had no control. And I remember one of the, I was doing counseling. I was doing crisis counseling. I was trying all kinds of things. And I remember taking my little checklist of all the things that they told me to do, like the, you know, the proud perfectionist fighter student. I'm like, look at me. I did exactly what you asked. And I remember the counselor saying, yes, yes, you did. You did everything. And I'm like, okay, but I still have all the problems. This did nothing to change it. And them saying that's because it's not your problem to solve. And that's a really hard thing to hear as a parent, but she was a hundred percent right. So I had to really have those lowest moments, lowest days, and definitely some trauma, not going to lie, some very traumatic times that I still find myself working through, but I had to come through those days in order to feel it, to make decisions that I can't do it this way anymore. Yeah, so Masha, that is that is very, very touching. I, I can feel and 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 understand the emotion and the passion, uh, especially from a parent perspective. Looking back now that you are at this place, what are some of the lessons, life lessons that you would have learned, and how do you now measure your level of resilience, which of course helped you as a parent? as a woman, as someone who wanted better for not just the entire family, but for the future in terms of where you saw your family with? What are some of the key things that you recall you would have learned during that stage? Mm. Fantastic question. And I could probably do, I don't know, 500 episodes on that alone because there's so many lessons. Um, yeah, but it's definitely, I would say one of the first things is, is that um, the aspect of surrender Like we only learn surrender when it's the last option we have. We really do. Like people say, I can't surrender. I'm like, you will, when there's nothing left, when you don't have another option. So surrender being tied to the fact of what can I control? Like what is mine to control? And then with that, the aspect of like radical responsibility, taking responsibility for myself, learning that I can't, I I am the only thing I can control. And the aspect of, stopping blaming everyone else for where my life was at. I had to shift from blame to ownership. That's why ownership and own your choices are such powerful words for me because when I'm in a space of blame and I know this stings for some people, but when you're in a space of blame, that's victim mentality. Nothing changes there. Not one thing will ever change in your life in victim mentality. Now 
we all spend time there. We all know that space and, but nothing changes. And so learning to shift from victim to what can I own? What can I control? What is my responsibility? And the other, a couple of the other ones is the fact that when I learned to take care of myself, I learned how to respond instead of react. That was a game changer in my life. A counselor said to me, and I still use that to this day, that for every fight you're invited to, you can either use, you can either throw gas or sand on it. And right now, because you're so volatile, you're throwing gas on everything. And she was right. When you throw gas on everything, you deplete every ounce of your own energy and no solution is happening. So I really started to understand that when I take care of me and I can, I am in, I am in charge of how I respond to what's happening. It really did start to change because my energy started to change. It was like, Oh wait, that's not my problem to fight. That's not mine to own. That's not my responsibility. And I didn't see it at first. It really did. I don't ever want to paint the picture that this was a fast because it wasn't fast. It, it, it took, a, it was a few years of really ugly struggling, but when I can look back at it, I can see that, you know, baby steps and consistent actions really do add up. You just don't see it or feel like it in the time. And I think that would be one of the lessons, but also one of the key things about resiliency is that we want it now. And it takes like consistent action every single day. And we just don't see it at the time. So there was a whole lot of lessons, but I hopefully that gave you some, I think the other big one is the power of our emotions and how they can keep us stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, guilt, shame, oh, guilt, shame, um, judgment, criticism. They kept me stuck for a really long time and they are None of them were mine. I was worried about what everyone else was saying, but in the big picture, I was my biggest critic. I was tearing myself apart. I was judging myself. I was doing all those things. That's what had to change first. And I had to learn how to let go of that and forgive that. And ironically, it actually helped me to improve my relationships. Like it's, it's, it's so hard to explain, but it's in a sense that when I started to react differently to what was happening, what was happening around me started to change. And when what was happening around me started to change, I continued to react differently. And it was like, oh, my life is changing because I'm changing. And that was a different, even though it didn't solve and fix the problems, it changed my perspective of them, which changed a lot of things. Extremely powerful stuff, Marsha. What you just did is you describe your personal uh, process of transformation. And that's a powerful story and it's yours and I'm glad that you own it so well. Now, it says here that when you started to share your story on small stages, online, on podcasts, things change. What was the catalyst that made you decide, you know what, I need to share my story. Somebody else need to hear this. Somebody else need to hear what I have experienced. And it made a difference. What was that turning moment, that turning point in your life that you came to that decision? That is such a great question. Um, And I'm just going to follow my gut. I remember saying to my counselor at the time that I'm so tired of people not talking about difficult things. Like, I feel like I'm the only person in the world 
because we don't talk about these stories. And we hear a lot more now. I mean, taking it back and 10 years ago, nobody was talking about these things. Social media was very curated. Things were very curated. And I remember her looking at me and saying, maybe that's because you're supposed to. Ah. And I just sat there and I'm like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but what if I am? Like that, there was a little flicker of, but they planted a seed of an idea. And the seed that it planted was that, what if I could do something good with the worst thing that's ever happened to me? What would that change? And it, it, yes, it was about other people, but it was also about me helping to heal. And so as I started really small groups, I think the very first group that we spoke with we, we had a very good relationship with the schools. Like I did not try and hide anything there. I, I, they knew how bad it was. Um, and one of the guidance counselors says, would, would you and your husband consider coming in and talking to a few of the parents? Because we have parents who are struggling, but we honestly don't know what to say because this is not our area and you're living in it. And so I remember saying to my husband, I, I feel like we're supposed to do this. And I remember him thinking, that's crazy. And I'm like, well, what do we have to lose? And when we finished that hour, I felt like, I think this is something like, I think this is something, I think this feels good to help somebody else out and to not feel so alone. Another key turning point was, you know, when I started to share in small groups, I would have people come to me afterwards and say, that's my story. And I've never told a soul it's been 30 years, 40 years. And I just sat there and went, how sad is this that we have people swallowed in shame that they're not telling anyone. So what was actually happening is they were helping me to heal and they were giving me fuel at the same time. And it was like, I think this is actually meant for something more. And so it was very small and gradual, but during that time, the stages grew from, you know, a couple of parents up to 400, 500 plus people and every single time something different would come out, I learned to trust it. You know, my very first talk, just to share that perfectionist person in me had the thing memorized 10 minutes. Well, I'm sorry, you don't give a very heartfelt talk with every single word memorized. And I forgot where I was, which actually was a blessing, cried on the stage the first time and went, I, I blew it. Like I absolutely blew it. And I had a standing ovation. I had parents and like people bombard me afterwards. So it's a reminder that, you know, people don't need the perfect version of you. They actually don't, they actually don't, they need the imperfect, the real relatable version of you. So that's really how it started to start. And it just, it created this fuel and fire that is still there to this day, because I, I get stories that cross my path that most people would cringe. They don't want to hear but I can tell you that to see the freedom in people, to be able to share their story, to be able to, you know, find their boldness, their courage, their voice, and that freedom, it's just fuel for me. It honestly, it's just, it really feels like something good can come from a really difficult time. Amazing. That is so powerful and inspirational. Thank you for sharing, Marsha. So I'm just going to sort of piggyback on what you just said but I'm gonna piggyback with your assistance, right? So stand by, let me see if I can just pull this up yep. and see if we can get a feedback from you. And yeah, I think I got it all set here. Let's go, let's go. I've been walking this path. I've been my own biggest critic for years. 
And it will cost you so, so many opportunities and experiences and things because you will doubt yourself before you even get started. You will stop yourself before you even take a step. And so you might, this might mean, and this might look like having this incredible opportunity come up and it's like, oh my God, I'm so excited and I want to do this. And then it's like, who are you to do this? Do you actually think you can do that? Do you actually think you can speak on that podcast? Do you actually think you could stand on stage and do this? Like, are you going to show up in a video and you're going to look like that? You're not even going to do, like, you can hear the verbiage and the language. <laughs> you're good. That was really good. That was very, very well-timed. Very good. Here's the thing, Marcia. So many people suffer a challenge. They struggle with self-doubt. Confidence is low. They're lacking in confidence. You know, they go out there and they play roles because they expect that you know, if, if I'm this certain way, if I speak this way, if I dress this way, people are going to look at me and accept me. But they don't realize that you just got to be a genuine self and stick out. You don't have to blend in. So how do we get folks to understand that you got to believe in yourself? You matter. You are important. And everything about your life is valuable to you and you should have no shame, no fear, no doubt about sharing it. I love that talk. Oh, you just, I, your timing, I can't even tell you how powerful. Thank you for that. Honestly, that anchored because yeah. I had some very like self-doubt moments this morning. And I think that's, I want to share that and very real because a lot of people think, well, she doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. They're doing it differently. It's easier for them. All of it is wrong because you don't know someone's story. You have no idea. You think you do because you've watched their 30 seconds on social media. You don't know their story. I think it's normal to, I think we need to recognize that those emotions are normal. How they affect us is where we come back in and take control of that, like where we get to be in charge. And so recognizing our thoughts, I mean, we have 80,000 thoughts a day, 80% of them are repeat from the day before and 90% of them are negative. So just let that land for a second. We are literally repeating the same thoughts every single day. And so it's normal and it's our job to recognize, is that the thought I want to buy into, or is this the thought? right? Because our thoughts are only ever replaying the past or creating the future. That's all they're doing. And so when it comes down to it, it's recognizing a, that doubt is a normal emotion. And if you are, people say, well, I have imposter syndrome. I'm like, great. That's because you care about what you're doing. It's not because you're not good at it or not worthy of it. It's because you care and it's a good thing. So I think changing the perspective and the idea of what those emotions mean is really, is really important to start off with. Second, whatever chapter you like, you're always starting a chapter one, right? So I, when I first started my podcast, that's chapter one, even as it got to like number 100. Okay. Well, we're in a different chapter, but it's still new. Everything is new. Every day we're starting is new. So don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 20, because you don't know what they went through for those 20 chapters. And even if they, I'm going to tell you this, even if they tell you that what they went through, you still don't know the whole story. Right. So we all come here with a very unique set of gifts. I believe every single person has a very unique set of gifts. And I also believe my belief 
we face challenges in our life to hone those gifts. We face those challenges to bring those gifts out. So some of the darkest, most challenging things you're walking through are actually going to make you even better with your gifts. They're going to make you more relatable. They are going to make you step up into your purpose if you allow them to. So when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, that's Wayne Dyer. Like it's just, it really can change that perspective. The other thing that I think is important is like with your gifts, when you're owning your gifts, the second you step into comparison, you've taken your eyes off of your lane. Your lane is your lane. Stay in your lane and get used to listening and tuning into what serves you and what you're here to do, because it's not going to serve anyone for you to be worried about what everyone else is doing in their areas. Um, and lastly, I would just say courageous boldness, using your voice, all of those pieces that you might be listening to me today and saying, I can't do it like her. Go back and listen to my very first podcast episode. Go back and listen to my very first Facebook live because none of it sounded like that. And we have to give ourselves time to like get into that space of what is our voice? How do we feel? Get the feedback. What does it like? How do I want to share this message? It takes time. It takes hours of practice, but you will never, ever find your courage by looking for it. Never ever, ever. You will only find it by getting into action and like actually stepping into those gifts to get feedback, to decide what that looks like. Yeah. Great. Wonderful. Thanks for sharing, Marsha. That was powerful. I want to look at the writing aspect of your career. And you speak about when she stopped asking why. What was the inspiration behind uh, that publication and was it easy to do the research and put everything together or was it challenging for you? Well, that is a fantastic question. Uh-huh. Um, yep. I published two collaborative chapters and yeah. then in 2016, I remember saying to my husband, I think I want to write my own book now. Uh-huh. And I remember him looking at me going, are you sure? Like, this is a big, are you sure? And I said, I think so. Like, I think so. It feels right. And he was great. He was very supportive, but he was like, just you sure. Right. Because this is a, I said, yeah, I think I'm supposed to. And I was so excited and proud and went and told the rest of my family who thought it was an absolutely atrocious idea. <laughs> so be very mindful who you share your ideas with, because again, going back to the beginning of the podcast, I grew up in a generation where you don't talk about difficult things. Yeah. Right. So that was a very, I'm going to say lonely time in my life, but I needed it. I needed to have that time to write and share. Um, and it, it was, it's a hard process. It's a very hard process writing. I'm grateful that I did it. I'm grateful I went through all of it because it, I was meant to walk it and I wouldn't be doing anything I'm doing now if I hadn't done that first. The piece on when she stopped asking why in, I remember taking it to the publisher and saying, I've got the title. And she's like, nope, that's too long. And I'm like, nope, that's the title. The reason is, that was the turning point. You asked me one of the first turning points for me was I was living on the why I was living on the why I was like, why is this happening to me? Why is this? Like I lived in victim mentality. I replayed every single scenario. I was so stuck in my story that the universe could have thrown me a lifeline and I wouldn't have seen it because I was too busy playing and replaying the scenario over and over again. So for me, the play on words, I had to shift from every single time I asked the question, why 
I would say it even out loud. It's like the why doesn't matter, Marcia. The why doesn't matter. It's replaying the past. What can you do next? What is an action word? And I still to this day, because I a victim mentality is a slippery slope for me. I'm not going to lie. It's something I can fall into really easily. And when I do, it's like, no, what can I do today? What is one thing I can do right now that can move me forward, that can take care of me, that can listen, help me tune in to myself. So that was the shifting point. And that's why the title is so powerful for me. And the other thing is, is that I really set the intention that when I wrote the book, I wanted it to support somebody who had never walked in my shoes. I wanted it to be so relatable that even if you had never walked in um, anything with substance abuse, addiction, mental health, that you would still gain something from it. And that has been the case. That was the intention from the beginning because I didn't know it then, but I understand it now. Our stories are what connect us. Like our emotions are what connect us, not the details of the story, what we experience in the story, the lessons that we learn and what we walk through. And so that's where the emphasis of when she stopped asking why came from. Yeah, great. Thanks for sharing, Marsha. I really appreciate that. Um, but then you started doing the NLP program, neuro-linguistic programming, and that also made a difference in your life because it was supposed to help you to gain your confidence or regain your confidence, uh, self-assurance, communication skills, your perception of the world. How important was it for you to further apply the skills that you learned there so that it increased your propensity to move forward with yourself in terms of building your confidence and getting to the place where you realize, you know what, what I'm doing, I need to do more. And I need to do it just because it is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. That is, I, I love this question. And it's, I wish I would have learned NLP sooner. I really do. NLP is like neuro-linguistic programming. So it is how our brain filters information, understands it, and what we make it mean. Right. And the reason I was drawn towards it is that I was in a space, it was 2020. I had lost my full-time job. I had dove into this coaching business full-time and I was 50 years old. I didn't know it, but I was prepping for a very invasive, aggressive back surgery during COVID. So here I was in the hospital by myself for five days, um, really navigating some very dark, scary experiences for myself. Um, almost dying twice. I'm not trying to overplay that, but I just want to put in context. It was a very scary time and NLP crossed my, my path. And I was like, this looks interesting. I had looked at NLP as like sales. A lot of people think NLP is like sales because it, it can be misused. It can, yeah. but the tools in NLP can help you to really look at what are those limiting beliefs? What are those limiting decisions? The limiting stories? What are the stories that you've been telling yourself? Because understanding our subconscious mind makes up like it's 95% of our reality. And that most of that, sorry, was decided by the time I was eight years old. So that little fighter person who was doing life alone, grown up long before she needed to, she's been driving the boat, like driving the car for all this time. So I really started to understand that I think I need to do this work for me. The other reason why is, is that I had skipped over a lot of stages of healing because the pusher and the fighter in me just, I got to get crap done. I got to keep going. 
And it was like, you know what? You can't skip, you can skip over it, but eventually your body's going to say, yeah, I don't think so. And it's going to shut you down. And so for me, NLP became for me to really understand myself more, my thoughts more and my emotions and learn how to change that story at the cellular level. And then I just dove into it more and more because it really helped me to understand that I can't just say you speak your story and you can change it because that's not the truth. It's not. Some people have walked incredibly difficult paths. So these tools have helped me and others to really like literally change that story. And if I can just give one example, if you have something that has been, you know, creating and it creates such a trigger and a response for you, right? Like something that really charges you. Um, there's a deep buried emotion. You might feel a person on social media is triggering you constantly. And you think that person is the problem. That person is not the problem. They are the trigger. The problem is the root cause of it. And so it's important to go back to look at the root cause of it, change the root of it. That's how you can start to change the story. And that has been probably one of my biggest life lessons. Yeah, great. Thank you for sharing. It reminds me of what the neurosciences says about neuroplasticity and the ability of the mind to actually refocus, rewire, rechange, rebrand, uh, unlearn and relearn. And, and I liken it to having to learn to drive for the okay. first time. You either have someone in the family or you go to a, a driving school and you pay and they teach you how to drive, right? You knew nothing about driving before. Right. But after two or three months, when they put you on the road and you are in the car alone, all that you learned registered from your subconscious now comes into your conscious and it helps you to navigate the vehicle. It's the same principle when you need to do something different and something new about life. Think of it as adapting and getting new skills for survival. It's as if you're going to learn to drive. So it's it's a process where you start at zero. You don't know anything. You're starting all over again, but it's a new phase in your life. And I could see, I could see the passion in your face when you speak about it, because I know that the NLP has true meaning to you and it's helped you a lot. Um, Marsha, you are have you begun the publishing houses yet to support people in sharing their stories and, and authors and so on? Have you started it as yet? We, it hasn't been a publishing house. It has been um, supporting like more, I want to call it a little bit more of like a support and agency. So yeah, I'm currently working, like we, we, we helped a, with our collaborative book. Um, Everybody holds a story we published in 20, I guess it was 2022. And we had, um, I think 14 authors in there sharing unbelievable stories. So we really helped them to craft that story and then publish that book and get it out there. And it's also opened up the door for others. So I'm working right now with um, a, an incredible man who has reached out. I've had a few, it's, I've had more and more men reach out, which I, I think is, I love because we need more men stepping into this arena. We really do. And everybody has a story. Like every single person on this earth has a story that could help someone else out, but I'm helping him. He has really come through years of mental health and very serious addiction. 
and we are in the space of, you know, crafting his stories, an incredible writer. And he's like, I don't want to write a book on mental health and addiction. I want to write the book on it. Like help me to put my story and the feeling and emotions into it. So I'm doing that as well. And I, I, I absolutely love that. There's something that just lights for me to see more of those stories go out into the world. I commend you for that. That's really wonderful. So why two podcasts, Marsha? And I mean, I'm guilty of that myself. I have the breakout room and I have Let's Just Read, but the two different messages are focusing on two specific areas that are looking to help people to be inspired and transformed. But what was it for you that decided, I need two podcasts? Yeah, oh, this is such a great question. So I started when she, I started Own Your Choices, Own Your Life in 2017. From 2020, it's been like 20, well, probably 2018, it's been fairly consistent. In 2020, we're like three episodes a week. It's been go- going and growing, like it's been growing. And that has been like, that's my baby. That thing is just definitely there. Um, in 2020, when I was getting ready for back surgery, I had my, my dear friend, Sue was helping me at that time. She was a myofascial expert as a registered massage therapist. I could barely walk. I didn't know what was happening in my body. And unfortunately during that time, the perfect storm, I couldn't get medical help. I couldn't get the tests. I couldn't get seen, but I knew something was seriously wrong. I just didn't know it was as bad as what it was. And so she was really helping me during those, during those months And when it came to a point that, you know, I found out, I got in the hospital, got the MRI, hospital calls the next morning at 7 a.m., never a good sign, right? Hospital never calls you unless they need to. And from there, everything starts to happen really fast. And I recognize that I'm going to need complete reconstructive surgery in my spine. She was helping me and she literally had her hands in my fascia and she said, everybody holds a story. And I was like, oh my God, that's something like that is actually something. The other reason why was because again, I was in a space of, we just changed the story, but no, some of us have had very traumatic things happen in our body that you can't just consciously change the story. You need to go deep and understand subconsciously, what do you have to work through in order to create change there? So we decided to start it with a podcast and then we went into a collaborative book and we've crossed a hundred episodes with that show. And that show is very, um, it's very personal for both of us. Like we definitely, but if I can share, like we published our book in 2022 and one of the most powerful, profound stories in that book was with an author that has a very special place in both of our hearts and we lost her in March. And so it was very, the only reason I say this is, is that it was, it was tough. We actually did an episode on like death by suicide and it was a very, like, this is the kind of topics we talk about. And I say that not to be negative. I just, I am forever grateful that her story was published. Like, her father even said to me, I am so grateful that her story got out there. And so please stop waiting for all of the ducks to line up for everything to be perfect for things to happen, because it's honestly, it's not going to happen that way. Life does never happens that way. There's no, the lanes are not going to open up and make it perfect for you to do it exactly on your timeline. So I just want to share that story because that podcast is also very heartfelt for both of us. And that's, a story that was part of it. 
Powerful, heartfelt. Thank you so much, Marsha, for sharing. We have five minutes, and I just want to see if we have any comments or questions on our chat. And so, um, Loretta Packett says, so true, be yourself. And then she says again, do not judge anyone. What you see isn't always that. And then she says, amen, face your fear head on. And finally, so true, sister. And it's got it towards you, Marsha. So <laughs> you receiving, receiving. Thank you for your words. That's wonderful. So I just want to share one more thing with you and have your feedback. And this is like the closing salvo. Because as you invest in yourself, you are the most profitable investment you can ever make. You are 100% you are. It yields not only in the return right then, but in future returns and in a current payoff as well, like in so many different ways. But the sure way to like achieve a better quality life, be more successful, productive, grateful for what you have, grow into the best version of you, is to place yourself in a top priority of your own personal growth. Does that mean you have to invest beyond your means in order to grow? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know that. Okay. At least you got some versions with me not swearing because I can get a little bit bold. You know, the thing is, so many people, the, the self-doubt, the shame, the inability to understand their true value and to appreciate it, to embrace it, takes them to a place where they cannot even invest in themselves. And I think you address it so swinsly by saying, hey, do what you need to do so that you personally improve your value. And then when you put it out there, it's gonna bring you that ROI. Wow, I love it. Thank you so much, Marsha. You're welcome. If I can piggyback one thing on that, I, I mean, this is just awesome. I love what you're doing. Um, but the thing, the other reason that that episode, I was so called to share that is because we're very transactional society where we look at it and go, I've invested a thousand dollars. When do I get that thousand dollars back? And I'm not saying that you can't, you should be responsible. I'm totally not saying that, but it was a mentor who said to me, can you go back in time and think of one of the most transformational things that you did or went to, or you learned from? And I mean, I was very blessed to go to a seven day personal development conference in 2015. I, we jammed a whole bunch of us in the room. We made it as cost-effective as possible, but I got to see Lisa Nichols there. Okay. That week, that week probably cost me a thousand dollars and did I, when I earned a thousand dollars back, did, was my ROI done? No, like, no, the ROI pays for such a long time that I want, I just really wanted to share that piece in that, know that your, your payment can come back. Wait, in. This is Andy of Andy's personal development and we are live. It, right. Sorry about that. Go ahead. It's okay. But we can, we like, just know that your ROI can come from a long period of time afterwards. And so give yourself that space. And when I did that and look back at some of the investments that I've made, it really helped me to see them differently because I wouldn't be who I am today if I hadn't done some of those things 
10 years ago. Okay. And that little blimp there happened because I was checking on, on comments again and Sherry Maharaj, she sends love. <laughs> she didn't oh. comment, but she sends love. So, you know, it is just so powerful that we are having people responding and lives are being touched. It feels so really good that you are on today, Marsha. So as we're about to close, I just want to give you a minute. Yeah, we just have a minute to share with them how they can make contact with you, how they can get your publications. If they need to join your group and become part of that association um, so that you know they could share their stories as well and get that kind of community kind of support. Uh, how can they reach you? How they can get your book and stuff like that? Oh, thank you so much for having me, Andy. Um, easy. My name is long. Start typing Marsha Van W and it comes up on Google, social media. It's That's my website. Everything is there. My podcast is On Your Choices, On Your Life. And like we're in episode 550-ish right now. And so that is where you will find me. I do everything from like breakout sessions to one-on-one coaching to publishing your book. So if you are looking to find a way to step into your true, like courageous, bold energy voice and share that story, I love to work and support you. Okay. Great, wonderful. Thanks for sharing, Marsha. So, people, we have had Marsha Van Weisberg on our program. She's an amazing storytelling business coach, speaker, multi-published author, and manages two podcasts and has a family at the same time. But she has been an amazing guest and given us so much food for thought, so much inspiration that could lead to transformation. And that's what we're about. We want you to embody the value of the content that Marsha has been sharing with us today. So until next time, this is Andy of Andy's Personal Development together with my guest, Marsha Sain. So long, all the best to you. Remember the three watchwords, health, happiness, and prosperity. Until next time, Godspeed, God bless, Shalom, Namaste. Bye for now.